0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my podcast, Bagil on Brand. This is your host, Saeed Bagil. My guest today is Rosanna Benawi. I've known Rosanna over a decade. Great values there. Transparent, honest, straightforward, never changes labels, but always want to deliver what's right. Tune in. Rosanna Benawi, could you please introduce yourself to my audience?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm Razana al-Benoui. I'm based in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And I'm a mother, a wife, solopreneur. A My background is in psychology, human relations, and leadership coaching. And I bring all these disciplines uh, wherever I go, really, in work, in life. Um, I, I'm on social media. I was running uh, an initiative uh, called Creative, Creative Mornings. And currently, I'm facilitating Brene Brown's um, program, Dare to Lead, and there's a huge focus on empathy, um, which is, uh, which is I think, what's, what we're going to talk about uh, mostly today. So yeah, this is me.
0: <laughs> what made you get into this? I mean, uh, there must have been some sort of a, 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 an early interest that drove you to think about uh, this and how you want to bring this to Saudi or the or the region itself,
1: uh, the the Dare to Lead program.
0: No, all of it. Uh, what you do today, uh, because I've okay. seen you post on social media, and you've always pushing about how you want to empower people around to do better in life and so on.
1: So I think it's just since my childhood, I've had that uh, inclination or predisposition that. I just uh, went with uh, in different phases. So when I was a kid in in Bloomington, Indiana, one of my teachers told my mom that we know for sure Rizan is going to continue in uh, in social studies or something in the social uh, sphere. And it's freaky because she was spot on. Um, I was curious as a young girl about people. I remember like being nosy when. Um, you know, adults were sitting in a room and they were having conversations about uh, conflict or war or uh, relations. And I was so like, intrigued, I would sit down for hours and just listen. And I had so many questions to ask. But you know, sometimes you just rather just take it all in. And then I would sometimes go to my mom or my dad and ask. And I feel it's curiosity with, with, uh, with feeling with others that makes me do what I, what I do, whether it's in Saudi or even if I feel like even if it was like, um, if I was based elsewhere, I would have this similar interest, um, but kind of localizing it with, um, with what's happening around me or tying it with um, the events and, and the people. Um, because there's always something to to look at or to learn from, um, to co-create with, and that's where I feel I, I'm i on purpose. Um, I recently did those, I don't know if you heard about the human design, um, like, not a trend, but a lot of people are doing kind of like their, it's like they're typing. Have you heard about it?
0: Yes, yes, I did.
1: So anyways, my type apparently is called the generator and it's it's like I it centers on the being or there's a lot to do with with the inner world of of the person and what how I work with others and that's when I feel like I'm on purpose when I'm. even on my lives, I notice like I prefer to have a life with someone else. Um, and that's what happens in a coaching session or in a workshop is that, Um, exchange so it resonated basically and of course it resonated more when I knew that Oprah is a generator because like oh my god you know I really relate to Oprah's style with people she's very relational and this is what what I feel is very important especially after the COVID-19 and the lockdown is to be relational especially in business and um, that's Like, when the COVID-19 started, I feel like there was a relational pandemic as well, because things were happening transactionally, and we were kind of, like, fearing or grieving that, that connection, that human connection. So, and then we started looking at how people were creative, and how phone calls were back, and... People were popping out of windows to salute friends or pedestrians down in the road. People were singing out of their balconies. So those examples started to show us how we can be relational even during a pandemic or something like what we just experienced, which was very historical. Um, so, and, and it comes in those moments. I was in, Medi- I was in the um, Prophet's Mosque, Sallallahu uh, and so I went with the mask. I didn't have the gloves on, and so the ladies told me you can't go in because you can just pray in the saha, where like the the plaza or the open space area. But it was hot, and I wanted to go in, so I asked one of the uh, responsible uh, people there. I told her, please, I really want to go. I'm going to go back to Jeddah. And she was like, okay, yani, please next time bring it. And I felt like, oh, my God, that's empathy right there, you know? Yes. So it's it's that. Yani, it's those small moments where you feel like, wow, she she gets it. She's a human and she mm. really feels with me. And And it's also about asking. So if I had not asked, I wouldn't have been able to give her also the opportunity to give back. Because... I learned this about myself during the lockdown. I was reflecting a lot, and I feel like I can stretch more into learning how to receive and how to, because there's a, there's a relationship. People who know how to receive are also good givers. There's kind of like a relationship between giving and receiving. And because when I'm receiving, I'm giving the other person the gift of giving, which is also important and helping them also feel fulfilled and feel that they have meaning and contributing. So that was something to kind of take with me from from the lockdown experience and being with myself for
0: such a period. Perfect. Let me ask you this. Um, It's obvious from your social presence that you're a subject matter expert and uh, this might be also learning for our younger audience who are uh, sort of striving to become somebody uh, you see a lot of different postings different subjects uh, what sort of challenges do you face uh, especially that uh, you're delivering content uh, you're not delivering it's a, it's an end product but it's not a tangible product in the beginning True. eventually it is once it does an impact so what sort of challenges do you face when you try to position yourself as a as a brand uh, that is focused on a subject matter and um, and how do you deliver this?
1: I feel through a lot of dialogue so I noticed that in a lot of my even my direct messaging um, part of my social media which is hidden from you know people who follow because it's not on the stories or the feed but there's a lot of dialogue because people ask a question or they beg to differ or they disagree with something and I've noticed that my approach is usually kind of like probing or having just a, com- a real conversation like a heart-to-heart conversation it doesn't mean that anyone is right or wrong it just means that we are learning and I feel like that is a lot of work or it's not that it's just, it's just it's not just about work it's about continuously having that uh, intention and awareness that it's fluid, because one day I'll post something and a topic that would resonate with someone, and on another day I would ask a question—a very like innocuous and, and it's like a genuine question—and that same person would just feel bothered or would feel triggered like why why are we talking about this so why is this important this doesn't r- relate to our culture for example so I noticed that for example either that people would stop following the account or they would be ambivalent they would like follow and follow follow and follow and I get like even from other professionals that you have to keep reminding your audience what you do and who you are because you're not really uh, purely a coach. You're not purely a psychologist or a counselor. You're not purely this or that, you know. And recently, of course, with all of us being comfortable with more uncertainty with with what happened recently, I'm more comfortable with this about my identity and I'm more comfortable with not fitting into one box and one role and one label. And I don't feel a lot of people are comfortable with this. Um, Including myself, like a few, like a few months back, I would also have this judgment around others. Like what is their background? What are they doing? What are they saying? But I feel like now my, my focus has shifted into being more um, energetically tuned or, Becoming more heart-based, and if, the, if if whatever this person is sharing from their content it resonates, like it just works, then I I'm open to it, and I'm not really focused on, you know, uh, specific qualifications or specific um, points that I was. So kind of looking at the impact of that person or that account or. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's, it's making
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but what would be one word for all that you've done all these years and your connection with people? And it's obvious that you truly embrace yourself. Um, and I've known you for years. What be one word that would sort of describe you? One single word that says everything about you. Like, you know me well that I'm, I carry the word eccentric all the time, and I've embraced that truth. Yeah, I, I so love what word, one, if my, if my inner eccentric as well. So what would be one word that would describe you? It describes what you do, describes who you are, and it describes how what you contribute to your family and friends and even your country. One word.
1: I like the word congruent. It's one of my favorite words, and it was a word that I aspired to be back in the day. Two thousand and eight, when I first learned in depth what it meant and what it was about and all that, so I feel like I want to be congruent, and it's like a process. But I, I do feel that there, I, 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 I identify as that, and it can mean different things. It can mean that I, um, you know, my professional and personal are integrated. It can mean that. I bring my emotions to work and it can mean that uh, I'm human before anything. So all these aspects of the word resonate and I feel like they branch out from congruence. And I don't really, yeah. I mean, even the eccentric part, you know, I feel like, yeah, if I feel eccentric inside and I show it outside, then I'm being congruent.
0: Okay. Are you able to apply this? The single word. Are you able to apply it throughout your uh, products, your services, whether if it's your workshop, whether if it's the content you provide? Are you able to apply it with your um, family relationship, clients relationship? Is it easy to apply, or is it difficult to apply?
1: It's not always easy, but with with mm-hmm. so with the awareness, I kind of ask myself like I feel like I'm at choice with the word sometimes. And sometimes when it's really hard or when I'm tired or there's not a lot of energy, then I feel like I take the learning to the next experience. So even if I was not always applying it or, you know, on point, the learning is there and I notice when um, it's harder in some areas than others. So I know when it can get tougher or, you know, more icky and more, as Brené Brown says, embrace the suck. Like, oh no, this is this is really, um, you know, just painfully hard to apply now. And sometimes it's it's more doable. Um, mm. Like I want to, for example, I'll tell you, I want to. I, I I always imagine myself doing more videos on my Instagram or or showing up as me, like in videos, or but. I don't know, sometimes I also feel like there is that part where I feel like I'd rather that show up in real life. And this is where I feel like it's a transition for so many people because when we shifted to online, like I'm in exactly, I'm in this uh, abyss or this, um, in this delta where like, okay, I'm I'm still learning. How am I going to do the transition? Am I going to fully transition into online? Like, as a person who loved the real face to-face work, this is an area where I feel like, okay, so what does it mean to be congruent here? And even with the social media, like being an influencer, what does it mean to me? How do I feel congruent about it? and what and I don't have a lot of answers to tell you the truth, Yani, I, mean, I just really like questions yeah, are loud.
0: I, I, <laughs> Yeah, no, I I love it. I do understand, but here's the thing: Do you fear a lot of uh, since you since you since you live in a very conservative society, do you fear a lot of what people's uh, how they how people define you in, in terms of coming out the way you are? Uh, let's say if uh, if you wish to come out across all the touch points across all the stakeholders that you deal with, family, friends, work. Do you sometimes fear that maybe people define you differently if you let yourself out?
1: I used to not fear. I used to feel irritated and upset and like, why are they misunderstanding me? And Mm -hmm. it changed. So now I feel like it's more, I own it. I own that I am unconventional and I own that I might, you know, be different. And there are so many people that relate to that. So, One of my mentors told me, like, when you own, like, if you're highly educated, but also unconventional or eccentric or whatever, you will attract people like that, whether it's in uh, banking or business or medicine, because people like me are in different fields and they, they, you know, they're doctors, they're nurses, they're, I don't know, salespeople, so... I like that. And it's true. Like when I reflect on people who who I work with, they are unconventional. They're different. Something is unique about them, or there's like an an edge that they bring to their community or to their circle that is non conforming, not in a show off way. It just is in an authentic way or just in a, a matter of fact way. And they don't take themselves too seriously. So I th- I feel like I, I now i like to do that. I I, I don't like to mm. take myself too seriously. So even if people, like, as I said, f- share that, oh, Rosanna can talk about anything or she touches on sometimes taboo topics, which I don't feel I really do because there's usually a an health angle to it or something related to science to it. But to some people that's also sometimes, you know, uh, daring and yeah i just say okay cool you know mm-hmm. and it's it's coming from like a place of service not just a place of oh you know i can talk about this look at me so yeah
0: mm-hmm. well a guy like me who works on brand and uh, personal brand for many years i can tell you're different so it is you are different you don't even have to claim it but when you when you look at your uh, the pool of people that work in the same field you do and the way they deliver, you are different. I'm genuine, too, not only different. I'm not saying this in front of you. Thanks. I'm taking is, it as a compliment. A compliment. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, which I am I also care very much before we parachute towards compassion, and CEOs should be compassionate. Um, when you come to your services, so now that we talked about who you are, your touch points, and so when we talk about it, when we come to your services, a lot of people suffer from what you... Personally, do as let, let's not let's not call it a coach. Uh, let's say your workshops and so on. They suffer in delivering their products. They suffer in delivering their uh, actual uh, price, what they deserve. Uh, and sometimes they cut themselves short because they fear the fear between what I quote and what I deserve is their constant battle. That's true. Uh, do, you suffer, do you suffer from the same thing?
1: Uh so. Okay, I'm much better, again. I know my value Mm -hmm. because when you are part of a professional community globally, so I'm affiliated with global entities like the ICF, the International Coaches Federation, the Dare to Lead uh, network of professionals, we have um, a range. We have kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, norms or rates that go for all, almost. So that really helped me. Now, on the practical ground, it's sometimes hard, especially when someone comes to me and I really want to serve them and it's, there is a discrepancy or this person cannot afford this kind of service. So I did do, for example, matching with a sponsor that someone would pay this person and they, this person would get the workshop. And, you know, that works. It's not always an option or, or easy to design this um so this is where i feel it's a great question because i feel like especially now and this happened in england when when i lived as a student that people work differently with students and families and there was always kind of like an empathetic business approach to those uh people or populations or the unemployed right and i was thinking really to kind of incorporate something like that and it would be a win-win, like I would give a discount or something that would enable me to take on this work. But I'm still learning or figuring it out. And uh, yeah, Mm. so like in my mind, I know it's the right, my prices are or what my value, let's call it, I like the value part is, and I get feedback. I mean, especially with the daring greatly and the dare to lead, uh, workshops i've always heard after the workshop that oh my god i would have paid more for this or i would have invested more in this i didn't know that i would take away so much from these three days so this is always reassuring and
0: yeah. so if i hire if i hire you for a workshop so i'm going to put some prices in front mm-hmm. of you i want you to pick one of them so if I hire you for a workshop. There's a three thousand dollar rate per day per workshop. There's a four thousand. There's a five thousand, and there's an eight thousand. Which one of these four would you pick?
1: It depends, but there's a range. So it depends on if I'm bringing, if especially if it's Dare to Lead again, because there's a lot that goes into it: materials, certification, um, you know, a lot of um, franchise work or membership, uh, you know, cost that I I. Do really.
0: no, no. I'm talking about, I know I'm working, I'm talking about a workshop designed by designed. you, not something okay. that you have from overseas, mm-hmm. designed okay. delivered by you. And
1: how many people are there? And is it an hour, eight hour, five? How, what are this? Like, I need to,
0: it's an it's eight hour, it's an eight hour, and you have 20 people in there.
1: So, the day, the daily rate,
0: the daily rate, yes.
1: Hmm. So if it's there to lead, for sure it would be eight thousand dollars for sure, because the standard.
0: Yes, if it's not.
1: What? If, if it's, it's not, not then if it's yours. It you designed would be it. You around did. probably uh, uh, between. I wouldn't want to say one number because it's usually like um, a range, but it would be between three to five thousand, four 000 to five thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, four yeah. to five thousand dollars. I I always put this yeah. sort of question on what we call marketing mix when I interview uh, subject matter mm-hmm. experts like yourself, and then I ask the question. Then, since I'm a brand expert, I put the, on the table what I think. Since I've known you for years, now you've um, you've said the uh, the one that's franchise eight thousand dollars. It can go up to ten thousand actually,
1: because that's the global. You know, way yeah. of th- that kind of the range,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one you design and deliver, it's about from four to yeah. five thousand. So if yeah, if I was the brand consultant, yeah, I love your feedback. Rosanna, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would not, from what I've known for all these years, and I've always told you before that uh, if it comes to reference of life coach or anything of that, it's always you and not the rest but I would definitely put you on a global standard and I would not, um, I would never say from whether you want to call it a regional price or a local price. And I, like you, I hate to see the local price. I would, let's say you deliver values. I think you deliver, your, your values are 100% global standard and I've known people from your field across the world and I'm actually interviewing somebody next week. So uh, what would my advice be for you? No, I would not... Uh, I would not look at it from uh, that's global and I'm local. I would not look at it that's American and I'm Saudi. Uh, in fact, your values are equal to what's overseas, and in some cases, I think you're even much that's better. Uh, but maybe this yeah, is what. Well, you, you think yeah, this is what you probably. Need yeah, I, I right see.
1: Uh, thank you. I mean, really, thank you. And I I see where you're coming from, and I feel like where you know in my community, people just this like few these few years started to really invest in um, in training and development and professional uh, growth and all that so I also learned from my mentors and coaches from the west that sometimes we need to meet people midway or kind of like um, look at the market and what's happening and I, I remember asking a friend of mine in Riyadh and he's a very like um, considered the senior coach and with very important clientele, and there was a range to, so a five-day, uh, five days group work, we call them, or, or workshops, the highest people uh, in the market that are getting paid range between 50,000 and 95,000. So if you do the math, and it converts to the US dollar, it's really like I don't know if you have a calculator, but it's even less than, it becomes almost 3,000 to 4,000 a day. Um, so yes. this is how I kind of came to the conclusion. Now, I agree with you because I do pay a lot. Like the other day, I was just reflecting on how much I paid on my learning and my courses. And the digit was, was frightening. Like the number was, was crazy. <laughs> the amount of money I paid mm-hmm. to, you know, to just reach and just to get the credentials and the experiences and the mentoring and the coaching, it's a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot. I feel people would yeah. freak out if I say the number. And this is like over the years. No, but,
0: yeah, but but what I like about, okay, first what I like about our conversation. We're talking about and money. transparency <laughs> we're doing. Yeah, yeah. No, but I love, I love the transparency because we're delivering something value for them to learn. So uh, but the, the way I'm saying about this, the standard global and local, because I went through this journey also, because I used to live in Saudi and I was treated as a local. And when I went overseas, they said, well, you're coming from local. But then I, I built every every reasoning around me that today when I travel to Saudi, I'm I'm dealt as an international expert, not Local one. When I'm invited to speak, there's a certain rate. Who does not accept my rate, I cannot help them because it's their interest to bring me in and I know the value of my brand. So if I'm going to bring in the value of my brand to your table, you should not look at it from if I'm an Arab and I'm not an Arab. No, you should look at the value I'm delivering. And that's how I put Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
1: And there is awareness yeah, this now. This is how I put yani it. I love it's when cool. I go to a, a business yes. or a group work and um, employees of the business tell their um, boss or the person who hired me that, thank you for bringing a local Saudi uh, person with a global uh, toolkit or, you know, something that um, is happening elsewhere, you know? So I get that feedback and it, it, I like it because it's kind of like telling them that, Yes, your you know your return on investment is great, and keep doing this. So I'm happy that people are speaking up and kind of wanting the local with the global um, credentials to uh, take the lead, which was not really the case maybe seven years ago when I first started um, in coaching and in, in leadership coaching as a niche. So I'm happy about
0: this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at, look at how, how much your parents invested. Look at how much you invested. Somebody just asked me the other day for a public speaking event, a virtual one. And I gave him his rate. He replied back in the email. He goes, oh, you're uh, expensive. I said, I'm not going to discuss with you what my exactly. parents have invested on me. But let me discuss. Absolutely. I it myself. So I said, first, I said, Google me and let's start from there. He said, He laughed. He goes, okay, I accept. I mean, if sometimes you have to explain to your yeah. to, to your audience, the value is not that you have to compare me uh, an apple with an orange. You need to compare me exactly. to what I've invested, Absolutely. what I've built. Yeah, as an and you said something very you know, important.
1: <laughs> like I've noticed the last year, um, people that are only starting their employment ex- journey, they are investing in coaching sessions, and their employers, which was funny. Do not invest in that. So imagine what's happening. The gap is becoming that the entry-level employees in any organization is out of their own pocket, paying, I don't know, $250 an hour for an executive coach so that they can learn and advance their skill set, but their employers or the people in the organization um, either are not confessing or not investing for these employees what uh, what is now considered an important service do you know what i mean so because now yeah. they're asking for it but you know, rosanna yeah
0: yeah Organ- organizations like this that don't invest in their employees and claim that they are brand they're not brand because in order for you to build a brand you need a culture in order to, if you have a culture a real culture in your organization you will invest in the employees and you'll make the employees to be number one stakeholder not second, not fourth, not fifth. So organizations that don't have a culture, which claim they are brand, and which by standard, by brand standard, they're not, will hardly exactly. invest in And employees.
1: you can see it. I know that STC uh, yeah. and, and Nahdi, for example, are one of the pioneers uh, as big corporations to have uh, internal coaches on the payroll. And uh, it shows, you know what I mean? And they don't ask about ROI anymore mm-hmm. because they just know that there is a benefit and an impact. And I wish that uh, we would learn more about two other organizations or corporations are uh, following the lead or I know a few others. But um, it's always good to know because those will become kind of like influencers for other organizations to learn from and yeah, be inspired, I guess.
0: I yeah, guess. absolutely. Let me, let's parachute now to organizations and leaders and so on. Um, I mean, leaders need to set the example, uh, whether if it's on brand, whether if it's on culture, whether even compassion. Unfortunately, uh, fortunately, um, when you look at the organizational vision and paper, yeah. it makes sense. But when it comes to reality, everything is short-sighted, uh, high turnover, uh, employees hate their jobs. Uh, and it's not because you, don't, you pay them less. Sometimes it's not about the pay, it's about the compassion, it's how you treat them, how you... Uh, deliver values to them. Can you tell us about uh, empathy with organizations? First, let's define what empathy is so people can relate to
1: okay, it. Okay, so I have a metaphor for empathy and I like it. It explains the, it's from the Darren Greatly workshop or program and it's basically we can we, um, so I'll get to the metaphor next, but first it's kind of knowing that I know this emotion. So if the person in front of me is going through an emotion of, let's say, um, anxiety, right? And I know what anxiety feels like, that's empathy. I don't have to experience the, ex- the same experience that caused anxiety for the person because that's not the, the main issue. And we don't have to all go through the same experiences identically to others to understand the emotion. We know emotion as humans. We're hardwired for you know relating to it for, since childhood. I was we had a death in the family a few days uh, about ba- a week ago, and my daughter who's three and a half, uh, she started crying with me when I when I when I was crying. So it really starts very early on when we. And when we're happy, the, the you know children are, are are laughing. So empathy is it's contagious in a way. And we this is the the important the most important point about it. We understand the emotion that the other person is going through. Uh, doesn't have to be just the experience.
0: Perfect. How do you apply this uh, as a leader? I'm a CEO of an organization. I need to apply empathy. I really need to. I need my management, my C-suits, my mid-management to be compassionate to each other and set the example to so their So there are different
1: writers. points. First of all, we recognize the emotion. We understand it. We don't judge it. So there's non-judgment. It's a very important aspect in, in empathy. Um, and we also consider perspective. So the problem is sometimes they say, oh, but this is such a stupid issue. Why are you upset or why are you anxious or why are you angry or why are you sad? It's it's a perspective. And this is the metaphor part that's so important that when we're born into this world, imagine having like a camera, your own like, um, like a, f- a fingerprint, right? Every person is born with their own camera. And with life experiences, we have, um, what are they called? Um, what you attach camera, um uh, Lenses, right, thank you. Lens. So with every experience, Rosanna has her lenses, her, you know, experiences growing up in the States and then childhood, schools, every experience I go through adds a lens. And and this is how Rosanna sees the world. From all the lenses that she accumulated on her camera, there is no other person in the world that has my lenses or, or my camera or or yours or anyone else's. So once we accept this as a fact, we understand that people navigate the world from their lenses and what makes someone anxious or upset or whatever is very different than, you know, what would make me. So this is very important in business that people's needs are different and having space for that or being open about this uh, shows. It shows in flexibility. It shows in uh, taking it case by by case, right? And not having just a one system fits all. Um, and you notice even from the stories. So I personally like notice empathy when I go through customer service or when a conflict happens with some business and I'm a customer. And I experience how they, you know, approach it. Um, and that's when it shows. It's taking it, the,
0: yeah. I, I love I, I love what you raised, but here's the thing that I, I, what triggered right now my thoughts is that what what you've said, if I have to stress even deeper, uh, two keywords just popped in my mind is, A, mm-hmm. culture is key. And? And diversity. Yes. Yeah. Diversity. Because you've lived in a diverse uh, world. I lived in a very diverse world, and I've traveled to numerous countries. You have, so does diversity play an important role in embracing compassion, and or it doesn't?
1: I feel it, it's also a mindset. I feel it's, um, it's also being curious, right? Because I know people who traveled the world who are not very open or very curious or very accepting. I know those, right? And, and so I feel like it's, it's really about and, and, and comfortable with kind of like learning about what the other person needs or what, what will show up and comfortable with that space of not knowing or not being the expert or not being right or wrong. I feel. And we also talk a lot about empathy misses because a big part of when we are being empathetic, sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes, you know, I didn't listen well to to the person or I didn't act in a way that showed that I understood. So a key element, especially in business, especially with leaders is to circle back and to say, listen, I'm sorry, you know, maybe what you were asking for, I, you know, I didn't understand, or can we go back, can I ask you again, like, what was it that you meant, or what was it that you were pointing to, so circling back shows that we are keen on operationalizing empathy, it's not just um, an abstract term, it's really something that we try to get right, and it, it's normal not to get right all the time, because when we grow older, we're different, some people, you know, uh, it goes back to basics like let's say if someone is upset some people like to talk it with someone some people need space some people need to leave the office some you know they're different so once we have these conversations and we know and we kind of notice the emotions in others then we can be open about having a conversation about it and i that's courageous because a leader who talks about emotions at work is is wise first of all, and uh, and that's how culture is created. Because you're dealing with things head on. You're not, uh, you know, ignoring the elephant in the room. If, as you said, if there's like high turnover, high absenteeism, high disengagement, then emotions are at play. And you know, even in the Dare to Lead, we talk about uh, shame in organizations, how it shows up, and there are 16 different ways. And if empathy is present, shame cannot exist. So in organizations, when, when leaders talk about empathy and make it a point to, you know, live it, try to live it, it's not about perfecting it, then it helps us to talk about the hard stuff, have those hard conversations, talk about diversity, right? What does it mean to the p- people here? How can we uh, live it? It's really about having the talks and having those um, and listening to people, and not making anyone wrong, and 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 also about creating a safe space. Because if I don't feel this is a safe space to show empathy, I'm not. It's it's going to be too vulnerable for me to be empathetic in a place where the norm is to armor up and soldier through, and just you know be in your you know uh, straight jacket all day long, or. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because being empathetic is, is courageous. Yeah, absolutely. And it's vulnerable as well. So it's important that leaders model it, right?
0: Yeah. What, yeah. What what most leaders, most not all, in our region uh, believe is on short term returns, uh functional products, tangible products, but they don't realize that empathy improves performance, impacts absolutely. bottom line. And I can give you I can give you great examples. I mean, one of them could be the body shop, how the body shop brand was built. Uh, I think the other great example is uh, Google and diversity. Uh, empathy, very important role in performance, uh, bottom line impact, and so on. Uh, Rosanna, we came to the end of our uh, episode. I thank you so much. And I just want to tell the audience, I've known her for a number a of A
1: decade years. or more. And if
0: you <laughs> really want something, a decade or more. If you want something deliverable that is tangible, that you can see a future impact, thank reach her out. Thank, so really and... <laughs> thank you so um, much. I really appreciate it. Thank we'll you so much. We'll get in touch very You're soon. Welcome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Huh? Ladies and gentlemen, this comes to the end of our episode. We're Rosanna Benaway. Hope you've learned a lot. I did.